0: Uh, So, just right off the bat, I just want to give honor to where honor is due. I want to honor Pastor Tim for giving me and entrusting me to be here with you guys this morning. I don't take it lightly, so let's just give it up for Pastor Tim and the leadership here at Waters. And um, so, I don't know about you guys, but um, we live in pretty exciting times, not only at the church here. I mean, with the whole international campus, we're going to Guatemala. Amen? where uh, the Fall River Campus is happening soon, too, and we're going to Florida. That's pretty cool. But I also want to be selfish and share with you some pretty exciting news that's happening with me, too. So uh, uh, since last time I was up here with you guys, which was about maybe sometime in June, uh, two things have happened. So since then, I uh, attempted and I emphasize the word attempting to grow a beard for the first time in my life at age of 38. So, it's better late than never. And the only excuse I have is, actually, I have no excuse because uh, with the whole no shave November thing, I'm going for it. And if it doesn't work out, it's just going to go. But we'll see how it goes. Uh, But the other exciting, this is big. Okay, you guys ready for this? So, since last time I was here, I can happily announce that I am still the father of four beautiful daughters, okay? And in God's, by God's grace, that number is not going anywhere, okay? It's going to stay right there. And everybody in Waters Church said? Thank you. I feel the love. Like, it was just like, yes, thank you for your support and prayers. Well, you know, the reason I'm saying this, and this is embarrassing to my wife. She's like, don't share. And I was like, ah, psh, you know, come on. Uh, for the past, I think it's like eight out of nine years, she was either pregnant or nursing, okay? So you can imagine how it is in our household. Um, so I told you I'll be intimate with you guys. So at the end of the service, you get to know me, you get to know everything about me, all right? <laughs> um, no, but seriously, I am here to talk to you guys about uh, one of the uh, books that I really like in the Bible, and it's, um, it's the Philippians. It's not a book. It's a letter. It's a letter written by Paul to the church in Philippi. Now, just doing a little bit of study around that, I just I couldn't help but notice that um, the church in Philippi was kind of dear and near to Paul's heart. Um, and I think maybe because of one factor. It was his first church plant in the continent of Europe. Uh, but it also, it was a good church. It was a healthy church. They were doing some pretty cool things. And we're going to talk about some other stuff that was happening at the same time. So um, we're going to look at some verses, okay, And hopefully, and I don't want you to miss on this, all right? And I think you guys are awesome. They told me second service is the bomb, you know? So you're going to pick up quickly on the fact that this is not just a simple thank you note, all right? This is not just like, okay, thank you for your support. I I love you guys. I'm praying for you. No. Um, First, I want to say that I am a fan geek of Paul. Um, I like him because... He doesn't beat around the bush, and neither do I, uh, do, do I, and that gets me in trouble too. And uh, the whole no filter thing, it's so real. Uh, I get away with it because I have an accent, I'll be like, I wasn't born in this country, I was born in somewhere else. So, uh, <laughs> um, so he, and the, thing, the other thing too I like about him, is that he takes big risks for God, and I want to be like him, okay? And I believe also that this morning that Paul's words, by the way, inspired by the Holy Spirit, um, will encourage many of us here today, no matter where you are at. Uh, That said, I invite you guys to all stand with me. You can open up your Bibles, Book of Philippians, Chapter 1. We're going to skip the first 12 verses. Just because this is how Paul says hi normal. This is his fashion. It's just like 12 verses just to say hi. So we're gonna get right to um, the heart of the stuff. So I'm gonna pull out my app. So verse 12 says this. I am going to read by the way from the NIV version. It goes like this. Now I want you to know brothers and sisters that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fiercely. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here. Everyone say, I am put here. I am put here here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambitions, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? What does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through, how? I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that... Now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we come to you as your children, Lord. We praise you for this gathering. We praise you for this time. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would help us calm our spirits to receive your truth. We Help us, Lord, see Jesus and Him alone. And I pray, Lord, that you would use me to speak to your people, Lord. They are in desperate need of you, Lord. And we come here as we are, and we just say, Holy Spirit, speak. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a seat. You know, just looking across the room here, uh, I, can, I can tell that there's a lot of go-getters, right? Who's out here a go-getter? Raise your hand. This is your time to shine. Look at that. It's awesome. Over 50%. pretty cool. Um, so how many of you can say, I have a plan and a purpose, and um, you just strive to attain it? Somebody was waving. I was like, that's me. That's cool. Uh, are you the type of the person with the whole five-year plan, Right and you got a mission and you will not be swayed from right or left. Then Paul is your guy too. He too was a go-getter. Except, okay? He didn't do it to get a promotion, to get recognized, to do it for a financial gain, to do it to climb the corporate ladder. Do it to get a comfy retirement when he's all said and done. He didn't do it. And I'm not saying, I want you to understand that I am not saying that those things are bad. They're not. But what I am trying to highlight here for you guys is that he's doing it for another reason. And he's doing it for the same and simple reason that brought Jesus from heaven down to earth. Do you guys remember Jesus' very first sermon? in his hometown in Nazareth. So he goes where all good, faithful Jewish boys will go. You went to the synagogue. And Jesus gets up there and reads straight from the book of Isaiah. Okay? This was actually a fulfillment of a prophecy. Okay? It's not going to be on the screen, but I'm going to read it. It's right out of Luke 4, verses 18 and 19. It says this. The Spirit of the Lord, this is Jesus speaking, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to see the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Okay? That's the simple and powerful reason that kept Paul going on and on. Getting up and doing it all over again. Despite the calamities and the trials, okay, he kept on doing it. Mind you that this guy, three times he was beaten with rods. Okay. One time he was stoned. Has nothing to do with marijuana. I want to make that clear. And uh, three times he was shipwrecked. And at some point, if you were a good friend of Paul, this is what you would say. Brother, relax. You're getting old. Take it down a notch. Stop thinking about your retirement. Stop doing it. It keeps getting you in trouble. And you're getting old. You can't keep up. No. It was impossible to get him to stop to talk about Jesus. Not only to the Jews, by the way. Okay? He took the good news of the Messiah... To the Gentiles too. And we're all sitting here because of Paul. Because most of us are Gentiles. And Gentiles is just another way of saying that you're not Jewish. So I'm going to invite you and we're going to see, we're going to let Paul unveil for us in these verses three chain-breaking strategies. I think we all need it. So if you follow along with me on your uh, notes, the first point goes like this. By choosing to rejoice, others are spurred on in the journey to spread the gospel. And where do I get that? So I'm going to read you from 12 to 14. Now I want you to know, be careful how he starts this. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and they're all the more. They're becoming even more bolder than before to proclaim the gospel without fear. You got to be careful. See how he started that verse? I think he wants the Philippians, he wants me and you to know something important. So, the situation he's in, which is clearly being in prison and waiting trial. And at those days, there's only two possible outcomes for that kind of trial. It was either freedom or death. You know what he's saying? He's saying that that situation he's in helped the advancement of the gospel. Do you see where his mind is at? You're going to find out pretty quickly. I don't know if Paul is made out of the same materials as we do. So let's take a look. How could it be? How could he say this kind of stuff? Um, His focus, he's not focused on the despair of chains. But how psyched he is that despite the imprisonment, the gospel is being preached. And not only that, not only they're just talking about Jesus, it's advancing. It's It's saving souls. People are telling people and it's spreading like a wildfire. I'm just gonna guess that while he was there, he didn't stop, he didn't shut up about Jesus. He just kept saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I mean, wouldn't you? Do you remember the story of Paul? Okay. He was his his uh, first name was Saul of Tarsus, okay? He had some titles. He was the greatest Pharisee in the making. He was the persecutor of the church. That was actually a noble title for him. He hunted down Christians everywhere they went. And he was because he was the defender of the Jewish faith. This is the this is what Paul was back in the day. But he met Jesus, and Jesus radically changed his life. And you know what he was? He was the apostle Paul, the church planter. And by the way, is the guy who's responsible for writing two-thirds of the New Testament. Do you see the power when you get to see Jesus? Things happen, things change. This is why I like Paul. He told everyone about the Messiah. I mean, wouldn't you do that if you had that experience of meeting Jesus face to face? Would you? Would you do that? Would you just go crazy for Jesus? And everybody was like, that's the crazy Jesus guy or girl. But you know what? So in those circumstances, sometimes we're too busy relishing the woes instead of focusing on what God might be doing at that moment. And we all have that person at work. Uh, we'll be the first person to bring you the bad news about the new bad policy that's going to make life bad for everybody, especially you and I because we're Christians. It's like bad, 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 bad stuff. Or better yet, we all have people in our families, right? Right? They will spend hours and hours recounting the latest tale of woes, and it's the same story they've been telling you for years, except every time they do it, it's different slightly name of characters, and, but it's, it's the same thing all, all over again. And um, if we're not careful, guys, we're going to easily turn our circumstances into idols. And by the way, idols they. All don't have to be made out of gold and in the shape of a calf, just like in Moses' times. Circumst- uh, idols could be anything and everything. Anything, anything that takes priority over Jesus is an idol. That's the, that's the definition of an idol. But not Paul, not this guy. His life got changed 180 degrees. So what about you guys? What is your idol? I told you we're going to get personal here. You guys are going to get to know each other today. So ask yourself that question. What is your idol? Maybe you've been Christian for a long time, and uh, you used to have big dreams about God and how your life would be used um, to serve Him. Or you have a passion to evangelize and talk about everyone, talk about Jesus to everyone. But now, not so much. Things kind of died down a little bit. Or maybe you're a brand new Christian. You just raised your hand last week and you're here. And you love that warm feeling that you have inside. By the way, that warm, fuzzy feeling, it is the Holy Spirit. And it's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave. He's much more powerful than just that warm, fuzzy feeling. But then you have that feeling and you're not sure where to go from here. I have one thing for all of you guys, one thing for both of you, the longtime believer and the new believer. And the word is praise. Praise. Choose to praise, guys. Choose to praise. Praise is the way Paul did it in his darkest days. Praise is when there seemed to be nothing to praise about. Just praise. Just, Lord, I have this breath in my lungs. I can walk. I can talk. I can see. I have a job. Praise. Praise over the small things on the good days so that you'll have it. You have an exercise. It's exercising you. So that when the bad days and the big stuff comes in, you'll be equipped to even to still praise him. Praise drew Paul closer to Jesus and will draw you closer too. That is your weapon. Just get down on your knees and praise. And sometimes we come into church with our baggage and luggage, and it's good. This is what Jesus came here for come and we're having a hard time praising. Just, pray, just just, align your heart with God and say, Lord, I am nothing. You are something. I am here to glorify you. I need you in my life because I don't know how I'm going to tackle life. Amen. power It's very, very powerful. Praise, this is what it does. I told you it's a weapon. It brings us into the throne room of heaven. And it, magnif- it magnifies... His place in our lives. We should try to do that sometimes. It says in the psalm that even the rocks will cry out to praise Him. And I know they told me that second service is awesome, people. I I I think you and I can do better than rocks. Amen. Amen. So no matter where you're at with Jesus, if you only focus on recounting the details of the woes of your life, you become consumed by it. Can't help it. It becomes the driving force of your life and the thing you are exalting and the thing you are worshiping. If you don't be careful with that, guys. I'm going to go back to the text. And Paul talks about it. I told you this guy is made out of something else. Um, he said that his imprisonment has also helped others to be much bolder in their witnessing. Okay? Like, really? That's not normal. That's, that doesn't work like this. It's 2019. That stuff is way back in the day. Those people were something else. No. Normally, his captivity should, put, should have put a great fear in the others for the simple reason they're not gonna, so they they don't end up in the same place he's in, which is jail and away from their families and friends. That's the normal thing. Just give you an example, okay? If you, if I'm watching my friend, you know, get ready to bungee jump, and I can see him getting harnessed in with a professional next to him and all that, and he takes the plunge, But then I watch that the cord snaps and it's not coming back up. My natural reaction is not, okay, my turn. That just doesn't work like that. But instead, people are so inspired by Paul's God because of the faith they see in Paul. He actively chooses Throughout, the, uh, throughout his ministry to rejoice and that it turns his story from being a sad tale of a defeated person into the glorification of a risen Lord. Do you see where his focus is at? People see his faith and not his circumstances. Do you see where now things, we're taking things to a whole nother level guys, right? His praising points to God and his faithfulness. He's seen God through before, come through for him before. And no matter what happens to Paul, remember those two outcomes, whether freedom or death, the gospel of Jesus will be magnified. And if he gets released, you know what he's going to do? The first thing he's going to come out of he's going, he's going to end up doing, he's just going to go ahead and plant other churches. And when he's done, he's going to go back to the previous churches he planted, and he's going to go back and equip them and counsel them and make sure they're still doing good and all that kind of stuff. That's the kind of Paul, the guy Paul was. And if the other outcome happens, which is... bye-bye, see you later. Um, the Bible in Revelation tells us that he's going to have a crown on his head, and they've judgment. This is where his focus was at, guys. Um, I want to tell you a story a little bit about uh, a friend of uh, April and I. Um, his name was Andrew, and Andrew uh, he was um, a, a pastor of a church plant, and um, at the age of 35, he got diagnosed with uh, stage four colon cancer. Two years after um, he passes uh, away. But uh, when things got hard and he got fragile and weak and all that, I remember taking him to one of his uh, um, chemo therapy sessions. I'm taking him to Boston. <laughs> imagine, like a frail, weak person next to me, and I'm trying to fight the Boston traffic in the middle of the day. <laughs> I'm trying not to lose my Christianity in front of this guy.) Um, <laughs> It, just, it was just one sudden break or just one wrong turn, and this guy's going to pop out of the window or something. Uh, but I remember his focus, where his focus was at. He was, uh, was encouraged me to apprentice in my small group. So Andrew was like what Marianne Parsons does here. She is the small group um, ministry. So that's what uh, Andrew was. And he was encouraging me to start apprenticing in my small group. He was actually the mentor of my small group either at the time. And um, he was asking me, like, when is the time to, you know, you're going to start your own small group. You got to get going. You got to go and talk to other people, other men and all that. And also one of his, um, he was curious. He was very curious to know about what are the ways that we can witness to Muslim people. So given my background, um, I used to be Muslim. And Jesus came and just grabbed hold of my life and radically changed me. And... uh, this is where he was focused at. He was like, "How how can we bridge the gospel and not shun them down? What, what are the things that we can do?" to you know, sit down and talk about this stuff forever. This is the stuff that just just brought him to life. This is the stuff that he was focused on in his toughest moments of his life. In in Paul's true fashion, <laughs> he wasn't consi- he wasn't focusing on his circumstances. His spotlight was shining on Jesus. So there are things here, guys, that can consume us if we let them. If we let them, they don't just come in and force themselves on you guys. We eventually let them. Some of the things could be work, could be sickness, a bad one too, um, or people. People. So, we're going to spend some time talking about those people in second point. So, if you follow along with me, second point is, By choosing to rejoice, the flaws of others are no longer our focus. As the work of spreading the gospel becomes our primary goal. Where do I get that? Let's read chapter, uh, verse 15 and 18. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. See, he, he, he acknowledging both uh, groups. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains, call me names and all that stuff because now I'm out of the picture. But what does it matter Do you see the questions he's asking himself in his toughest moments? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, he chooses to rejoice. Sometimes, guys, we are so focused on what things a good church is not doing, and then we forget the good things that are doing. And we miss out on the work of God, guys. Yes. This goes for individuals too, guys. For people. Not every person, by the way, and I have stories to tell you about this, but we don't have the time. People who call themselves Christians, is not, they're not going all to have a clear and right motive. Or even the wisdom and the maturity to know the difference. Okay? Paul chooses to celebrate here in those passages. He said, I know there are people they were ulterior motives, but I'm going to choose to rejoice and celebrate this. He could go on and list out all their um, flaws of those preachers that are trying to rival him because now he's out of the picture. But you know what? He focuses on the main point, And I hope that you got the main point by now. The main point is the gospel advancement. And he lets the rest fall away. I can't help but notice too, right? He's understanding. He gets it. He, he understands his role. He understands his mission, even in captivity. You know, when he said, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel, I am put here. He's saying that even though Christ did not cause me to be jailed, but I'm choosing to use the circumstance to accomplish his mission. Amen? Amen. He knows those, there are people with ulterior motives. There are people trying to make him jealous. That does not bring him down. He, he's, he doesn't care. He is unwavering in his determination, guys, that the gospel meshes, message is all that matters. With that being preached, that message, he doesn't care why. He doesn't. And it strikes me, too, that he's uh, prodding these people along you know, by calling... Out the the good work that they're doing. This is so hard. Imagine you're telling somebody who's rivaling you, somebody who spends their energy and time and money to put you down and you still have the ability to pull out the good things out of them and say it to everybody. I told you this guy wasn't made out of the same stuff. So he is doing that. He's not dragged down by them. His focus is Christ, and he chooses to turn the spotlight on Jesus. Spotlight. I remember, this is going to be embarrassing for uh, April, my wife. I remember when April and I were engaged, and now, so we were planning our own wedding, which is a bad idea. If you think you can do it, I have an answer for you. You can't. Don't do it. (laughs) Let somebody else do it. Um, we started to date Christmas of 2009. We got engaged April of 2010, and by August of that same year, we were married, talking about not wasting any time. Can you beat that? <laughs> Somebody said yes, did you? Oh, Good for you. Anyway, uh, when planning our wedding, it was really bad. And we were saying at times, I remember this. I remember. We're like, go out eating and be like, you know, if we made it out of this and we actually got married, pff, we're going to be all right. <laughs> it's going to be good. It was so bad, guys. <laughs> you know, money was tight. Decisions was, were hard. And um, we didn't see eye to eye on everything. Not on some things. I'm telling you. We didn't see eye to eye on everything. But... Here's the thing. We both had the same goal. We both know that God wants us to get married. We were both heading the same destination. We come from completely different cultures, all right? Talking about somebody not born here and all that kind of stuff. And she has a huge family. And I have, like, nobody here. Uh, My mom and my sisters came actually from Morocco. But uh, that was something. Um, And... (laughs) And uh, this, is, this, is, this is what happens. I don't know if you're aware of this, but as the closer you get to know the person, the bigger the differences gets. You're like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm going to do this. No, we were sure. We were sure. I'm only saying this because she's sitting in the back and she's listening to this. The goal, guys, was the most, por- most important thing. And how the details, how to get there, we decided to just... Just, just, just get by and do it. That leads us to the last point, third point here. You follow along with me. By choosing to rejoice, we are no longer slaves to our circumstances. And by God's grace, can operate out of full surrender to Jesus. Where do I get this stuff? 19, verse 19 starts like this. For I know that through your prayers... How? Through your prayers, you, the Philippians, and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that's the Holy Spirit, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance, confidence. We just sang about confidence earlier. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. First question. If you have a pulse in your heart right now, first question you should be asking yourself right now is, how does he do this? How? He is not alone. He is not alone. Paul, the Apostle Paul in us, can't just... Will ourselves into full surrender or even rejoicing. We are not robots. We don't just press the button of rejoicing. Hey, good. Everything is good. You know what? And that we can't. It just takes some work. I know. You know, like Rob meets you in the front as you come into the church and he's like, Hi, how are you doing? You're like, praise the Lord, brother. I'm good, man. Things are good. And you just almost choked your kids and wife at the driveway. And I'm not talking from experience. sometimes there's a place to lament and be sad but that should not be at the center of it all paul cites that it is through the prayers of the philippians guys and the help they're they're just they're just church goers they're not through the prayers of the Philippians and the help of the Holy Spirit, that he can rejoice. That's the secret sauce right there. That's what made it happen for him. It is Christ in us, don't miss this, it is Christ in us that enables us to praise him. It is the encouragement of friends who come alongside, especially in those dark, tough moments, our desperate times, that fills us up with the hope to turn to God with the hope to turn to God. Not just with the hope to pick up the phone and call a a professional. Or something else. Let's address the big stuff to the guy who made you and put you in those things. He allows it for a reason. It is up to us to respond and say, Lord, just get on your knees, take your guard down, okay? You don't have to do it all. I'll tell you a story. I tried to do it all just two weekends ago. I tried to get the paddleboard out of the water to store it for the winter. And my father-in-law said, don't do it. I'll be right there. And guess what? I'm trying to be a tough guy because my wife was there and I want to be a good guy. So I can earn some brownie points with my in-laws and I pulled the stupid paddle boat out of the water all by myself and I hurt my back so bad took I got out I I couldn't go to work I went to urgent care muscle relaxers and the whole shebang it was not cool can't do it man and my father-in-law comes up five minutes later I was like what's happening I was like oh I already did it yeah it's good now I'm out for a week and a half We can rejoice, guys, because we have confidence in the gospel being true. Paul was adamant that people know the truth that Jesus came to die for their sins and rose again so that they will have an abundant life. This is true. This is real. It's not the stuff we say. It's not the stuff you hear somebody from pulpit or from here to tell you about. The stuff is real. How do I know? It worked out for Paul. Paul was able to rejoice because he was already free and a victor in God's book. By the way, that's what you are. You are free and you are a victor. The Bible calls you that. I don't call you that. And Paul knew that he can walk in that truth and walk. he knew who he was, he knew his identity. So, you know, uh, going back to Andrew, in his last days and weeks, uh, they had to bring a a special hospital bed to, uh, and they had to actually give him a a different bedroom downstairs. So they brought in the hospital bed uh, because it's getting tough and it's getting uh, near. And I remember talking to the people after that um, about those days. And everyone was amazed at two things, his demeanor and his faith. Um, All he wanted to do was to just have the strength to get out of bed and just hold on to the side of the bed and sing songs. All he wanted to do was listen to worship music and sing songs. He was like a three-and-a-half-year-old or four-year-old. He was making up songs just to praise Jesus and keep his focus on Jesus and not his circumstance and not what's going to happen to his kids and his wife. No, he's focused on us, Jesus. And you know what? Just this you know, week when I was prepping for the message, he's just like me. I was like, I think he was practicing what he was going to end up doing for eternity. Take some strength, man. He was confident, just like Paul, in two things. His faith and where he's headed. So as I'm closing here, I'm going to help you ask yourself some questions, guys. No matter where you are in the spectrum of, you know, knowing and believing in Jesus. What circumstances are you in now? Just bring it to your attention. What is the thing that you could legitimately belly ache and moan about? And the thing that you know the situation that you have every right to shed some real tears about. And now most important question I'm going to ask you. Who's praying for you? Is it your small group? Who is a prayer for you? Who's encouraging you forward? towards Jesus no matter what the circumstances where is your spotlight turned maybe it's turned this way can you make sure to turn that spotlight and shine it on Jesus instead would you be able to do that I'm going to encourage you not to leave here and go check out your kids and um, just head along. Ask yourself those questions and come in for prayer. There's going to be amazing people here in me praying for you guys. Um, and in those circumstances, I want you to receive this and say that just like Paul, in those verses we read, that you are put there too. Amen. Here's the sermon in a sentence. If we have confidence in God, we can rejoice in all things. Simple but powerful. Amen.